This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. And welcome back to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. My name is Brian Donahue. I'm one of the co-hosts. And it is my privilege to reintroduce to you John Billingsley and the fabulous crew of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, Adina, Brian, myself, Chris, and Steve. We're going to jump right into part two of our conversation with John right now. I'm still holding out hope that you'll get to be like uh, an MD or not an MD, but like a medical examiner on like an NCIS or something. I think you'd have the the right personality for I, it. I'm not sure I day. want to be on a procedural show. I'll be ah, okay. They, they, I mean, this is where this is where the line is. It's like I would like to just generate a little more revenue for the reasons stated. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I want to go back into series regular or even recurring role on a procedural because mm-hmm. they're boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, it may not be fair. boring to watch, but you they're just, boring as shit to act because it's the same scene over and over and over. Same kind of dialogue. I have heard that that yeah. it's like exhausting yeah. to be in a procedural because you're you're essentially just yeah. You're every scene is kind of the same yeah. thing. You have the same dialogue. Oh, this person died because of and this. not to trash and not to trash him, but you know, to be honest with you, it is to me one of the most taxing acting assignments because it is really hard to get it up mm. to play another scene in which you conduct the same interrogation, says the same damn stuff over the same damn body. It's right. just not, I have no real interest in doing that. Can, um, can I ask a question at the risk of asking On the off question? chance that the producers of those shows are watching this, however, <laughs> don't pay any attention to what I say. I would do anything <laughs> for that role. Thank you. Yeah. That's Love not... nothing more to be on your particular show. <laughs> Right. At, at the at the risk of asking a question, perhaps you've been asked a million times. Yes. Um, but I f- I feel like um, I'm so glad to see Enterprise gaining more fandom and more appreciation over the years mm-hmm. um, as new fans are coming back to it. Going, wait a minute, this this was a gem. I thought this, this was really this, was this really... doesn't suck as much as I thought it sucked. <laughs> well, so my real question is. If you were to get a call from somebody in the Star Trek universe that said, "Hey, we we need Doctor yeah. Flox back," old Doctor Flox, would you jump on it? Would you think about it? Would you need to see the story? I um, have a show. I think if you saw me and Shirley, have you heard about this show? Old Fat Flox. Yes. Show <laughs> <Sure laughs> story. Yep. Old yeah. Fat Flox. He's sitting in a chair, just rocking back and forth, going, "You know, back when I was in Starfleet." <laughs> And then you have like music, like you know, like a uh, 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 flashback music, uh-huh. and then young hot people run around in their underpants for forty-five <laughs> minutes, and then it comes back to me. And there's well, stay tuned next week for another episode of Old Fat Flocks. Lord Dex would win number one on the call sheet, make a shitload of money, work half day. <laughs> that would, would be your that. dream job. Okay, I would do that. I would do that. All right. Um, I I would have I would have decidedly mixed feelings about mm. going into prosthetics again. For, yeah, yeah. Uh, was there was there was one article yeah. I saw where it said something to the effect that that strange new worlds had approached you about reprising flocks and you'd said yeah. you Is didn't want true? to do it because no 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 that has gotten so it. ridiculously garbled. I was so surprised <laughs> to see that in print. It's like. Oh well, I get to watch. I get to watch exactly how the game of telephone works. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. No, I got a I got a call from my or you know an email from my agent, 
and it was one of the animated shows and i can't remember which one it was i, I think it might have been prodigy i'm not positive mm-hmm. it was one of, i think it was prodigy but it was one it was an animated show it was a voiceover. Yeah, if it's a star trek animated that's yeah. the one yeah. so i think it was prodigy it was a voiceover and it was a very mm-hmm. small part and it would only going to pay scale and scale uh-huh. on an animated show is not very much so i said pass that's all uh-huh. it had nothing to do with uh-huh. praising dr flox it had nothing to do with like you know fuck you how dare you it was just like you know if somebody wants to offer me something i'd consider it and then i would debate whether or not it was worth it for the amount they could pay me that mm-hmm. was an audition for a voiceover that didn't pay that much and so yeah. it was like nah, thanks mm-hmm. well, understandable yeah and that just so that turned into this whole like oh oh, Billy's we told star trek to go fuck itself oh my god <laughs> I can't believe it. it's like oh yeah <laughs> untrue lies lies corporate lies no yeah okay well then let's let's get back to start i'll tell another story orville for those of you who are fans of orville yes yes bob picardo of course they offer bob picardo apart offer bob picardo apart in an episode where i am supposed to be uh, an antagonist of bob picardo i have to audition for that and it wasn't like they're going to audition John Billingsley who played Flox. They're just going to audition this uh, vaguely recognizable character actor, John Billingsley. They had no idea. Which I don't understand. I don't get it because yeah, McFarland's a Trekkie. Yes. He was so on I, Enterprise. I, I, I auditioned before. and I knew that they didn't know who I was, too. So when I auditioned, I thought, I better work on this audition because I'm going to have to earn this. So I worked on it and I got it. And then I get there and it's like, oh, we love you. It's like. Uh-huh. You love <laughs> Now you remember Beth McFarland claims he can do a Dr. Flox impersonation. And I said, let's uh, see it, buddy. Let's see it. He never did it for me. Oh mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. So Seth, if you're watching this, one, I want you to do Trek Talks. And two, I want to hear the goddamn impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and three, yeah, while we're at it, if you want to write a check to the Hollywood Food Coalition, that's Hollywood. <laughs> Yes, yes. and maybe some explanation as to why john had to audition for the role i will waive the explanation (laughs) right okay fair enough i I want a personal explanation then that's fabulous okay yeah it was it was it was fun to see you on on the orville and uh it, it was you know nice to see you on other shows my wife personally had to say when we were asking she was talking about shows you've been on before she goes oh don't forget to mention about hawaii 5 when you got to play that attorney for those two bad children well that's and, one that never comes up Interesting. And, and here's the thing did you get to vacation in hawaii while you were filming it well you know I to, hawaii. I, I, hawaii hawaii is my bet noir in fact i was just in hawaii doing ncis hawaii oh really yeah. my wife loves that also show. i that's gotta nice. say you should not join the navy because <laughs> if you join the navy they're just gonna you're gonna get killed I know. Like, yeah. Nobody right. gets killed in the Air Force. They don't have like, you know, Air Force investigatory shows, but the Navy, it's like New Orleans, regular NCIS, NCIS yeah. LA. Yes. It's like they're dropping like fucking flies. Yeah, like, you're <laughs> absolutely right. But yeah, see, yeah, yeah, that's one so, of my wife's other favorite shows, NCS Hawaii. Okay. She just loves what well, she loves everything about. We no, just got I, I was in the second episode of the no, the first episode of the second season, and uh, and I like to walk, so I was walking a lot. Mm-hmm. And I I overstretched myself. It's like, oh, oh. tight back here. Okay, I'll be okay. We had a we had a a, a stunt, and you know, people get thrown through plate glass windows and gunshots and jujitsu and an army <laughs> rushes in. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is cower. That's all I have to do. I just have to go ah, and I'm the one who hurt himself. Hurt my knee. I was too embarrassed to say anything. It was like I'm not going to be the guy. It's like, are you cowering? It's your 
never hurt myself. <laughs> While people getting thrown through plate glass windows, I have to have a I have a torn meniscus. Oh, oh no! And I have oh, to wow. have surgery. So Hawaii is not is on my shit list. Let's <laughs> say there's no bookstores in Hawaii too. There are no right? bookstores in Hawaii. <laughs> What? That's exactly right. Yeah, I'd rather be in New York. Send me to a city. I'd rather be on. I'd rather be in I'm, Savannah. I'm doing this show in Savannah. Savannah, I love Savannah. Savannah's great. Hmm. I find Hawaii. I'm sorry, I don't snorkel. I don't like ride on the backs of dolphins. Uh, it's like <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to climb a volcano or pick pineapples off of a tree. I'm a city boy, and there's nothing to fucking do. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, well to do. Okay, <laughs> stop it. Because my we we just got back from Kauai. My wife loves everything about Hawaii. She could live there if she could. Exactly right. But if you want city life, then yeah, go to Oahu. It's the San Fernando Valley. With yeah, no, I'm like Ava Gabor in uh, in Green Acres. Oh, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> Oliver Wendell Holmes. Bye, divorce. I'm staying in the penthouse. No okay. Green Acres for me. All right, so you just shot the show and you left. I got it. Okay, thank I you. I shot the show out of there. Yeah. Not so, in a million. Hawaii, Hawaii Five O. There was that that director, and I could count the the directors on the fingers of one hand that mm -hmm. I've really kind of like not taken to. Mm -hmm. The director of that episode, I was not wildly in love with. Okay, I feel look up who up that being, was. I, I was a red herring you, on a crime show. You're either the victim, the villain, or a red herring. Mm -hmm. So I was a red herring. Mm -hmm. I was an attorney and it seemed like I was kind of like, you know, protecting these boys. And was I up to something? And mm -hmm. had I, so, you know, basically the director came up and in a kind of like, you know, bullshit round Robin Hood's barn say was, was basically saying, play it like a red herring. It's like, that isn't how it works. I, I was like, you know, play it, play it like, you know, like a little guilty. You mean that mm -hmm. isn't how it works. You have an action, you go after something, you play it. If the writing spells red herring, that's in the writing. That's not in the performance. Mm -hmm. And that guy was like, do it anyway. So I was like, okay, you want, you want like, you know, a little bit of like, a mustache twirling. So I, I did. Like, mm -hmm. yep. And he came up and said, yeah, well, just, just play it straight then. Just, you should just play it straight. It was like, that's what I said, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, we were a little sixes and nines throughout the rest of the episode. Okay. All right. Well, Fortunately, he retired so I can insult him freely, I think. Well, I appreciate okay, your explanation about that. And I, my wife will be listening to this and she will hear yeah. your explanation. About I probably you. just trashed my entire. <laughs> doesn't want to do that. I, mean, I, I trashed this director, insulted them, and I, I, I use his profanity. Well, but if any what, of them are listening, none of that's. Yeah. And my, you know, a, what I think is that probably they're not. That's why I feel like I'm <laughs> not in a million years did I ever think on the big sci fi podcast we'd ever mention the name Ava Gabor. So this oh, really? is this is fantastic. I don't know. That's not that's Lance not the biggest stretch. So far have you ever talked about Vladimir Nabokov? No. Not that I'm aware of. Well, I mean, then <laughs> let's talk about Vladimir Nabokov, one of the greatest writers in the history of the goddamn All right. world. All right. Cool. Have you read I don't know anything about him? No, uh -uh. I, I don't either. Oh, but I mean based on Russian our name here. So. Okay, Vladimir Nabokov, one of the greatest writers in the history of the world, wrote Lolita. Oh, okay. Read, read okay. the annotated Lolita. It is the most brilliant satire of American manners and mores ever, oh. in my opinion. Really? But all of his books, from Ada to, um, oh gosh, Pale Fire. Pale Fire is this wonderful, it starts out the first book, is this, is this sort of like 
kind of beautiful but kind of not beautiful poem and you're not sure whether the poem is a spoof or it's actually written by you know Nabokov is intending for it to be beautiful because sometimes it is and sometimes it's kind of like clunky but it's really interesting the second half of the book is the putative author engaging with the annotator and it's the annotation of the book and the guy who's annotating the book is like going off and telling his whole life story as he's like trying to describe the you know the the poet's uh uh, uh history why the poet wrote what he wrote and they, they it's i can't describe it well but it is one of the greatest books of the 20th century pale thought so i read you know mo like 75 percent non-fiction and the 25 percent fiction i do is mostly science fiction I, that's I rarely why i'm here i'm here that. to say get out of your genre get out <laughs> No, and that's why I actually ask people because I'm always like looking for like what's that nugget outside the genre that I would not have ever like heard of if it wasn't for someone you know mentioning it. So uh, I, yeah. that 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 in the I, also a book that I would push is the Master and Margarita, which is by uh, Bulgakov, who wrote during Stalin uh, during Stalin's era, and it took him twelve years to write it. He died in 1940. He told his wife to hide it in the cistern, basically because you know she knew if it was published she'd be. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a satire of a life in Stalinist Russia. And, and you know, mm -hmm. I think kind of a beautiful, poetic and fascinating book about the um, the nature of how you live under a, a in an oppressive society. Mm -hmm. But it's <laughs> funny. We, the you know, we funny. Need to the devil and his consorts arrive in Russia and cause no end of trouble. And one mm -hmm. of his consorts is a giant talking cat. And, and it seems to baffle people to no end. It's like, is that is that a giant cat who's talking? I, I don't think so. Yes, it is. It's a giant talking cat. And they do they just like you know, okay. Okay. Great. That sounds interesting. That. Yeah. Brian, Brian, yeah. I think we need to come up with a new podcast. It's the a big sci-fi <laughs> book club podcast. Yeah. Starring John Billingsley. Yeah. Because this yeah. man, your met your knowledge of books is remarkable. What's mm -hmm. what's your favorite biography or autobiography? Do you have a favorite or uh, I'll segue into memoir, which is okay. Mary Carr, K-E-R-R, -R, who wrote The Liars Club, which is an absolutely marvelous book about growing up in a small Texas oil town with a lunatic mother and a jolly but fundamentally kind of not hapless, but um, um, somewhat absent father. Mm. And she is uh, she was very briefly the girlfriend of David Foster Wallace, who I think is another fabulous writer who wrote The Infinite Jest, if you've mm -hmm. ever read that. Um, she uh, wrote a three-series three, three series memoir. The first one is called The Liars Club, about her, you know, her, her father was a member of a club of liars. Yeah, they're tall tale spinners. <laughs> Beautifully written, very accessible, and, and hilarious book about growing up in a dysfunctional family. Her second book is called Cherry, which I imagine you can imagine what that's about. Mm -hmm. um, and her third book is called Lit, about her alcoholism and eventually her discovering uh, religion. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a fascinating life, and she's maybe America's greatest memoirist, in my opinion. Oh, Mary wow. K-E-R-R. Uh, my list is just getting longer <laughs> i need more time uh well you know this is I, I for a little while had a uh, i had a book club of mm -hmm. fans and uh, this was back before zoom so when we actually had to sit down and talk about the book and we were mm -hmm. you know all over the place we would basically all get on a chat room thing mm -hmm. very hard to have a conversation about a book on a chat room. yeah 
Yes. Your answer yeah, is somebody difficult. in the conversation has moved on. Plus, nobody <laughs> ever liked the books I picked, and I wouldn't let them pick books because I'm a snob and I didn't like the books they picked. So. It doable. So back in like 1988, in the very early days of, from, from my point of view, early days of the internet, uh, we did a, a, a chat after Star Trek Next Generation episodes every week. So even though it's chatting about TV, I feel like I feel like I could have worked with a, a book club in that that forum. We yeah. I did it for maybe a couple of years. Some of the uh-huh. some of the people, you know, I'm I'm still pretty good friends with two mm-hmm. of the women who were in that club. Um, nice. But nice. yeah, I, 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 I never, I mean, they, it was their idea. And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, I no part of me otherwise would ever have joined a book club. It reminds mm-hmm. me too much of school. I don't like it when it's an assignment. I, <laughs> so yeah, when it I, takes the fun out of you, it. You, 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 you subscribe to what Groucho Marx said. You've never belonged to a club that have you as a member, <laughs> right? Well, I don't really ever want to kind of put deadlines on the things I do for fun. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it takes the fun out of it when you're working to a deadline. As soon as a book was assigned to me in school, I wouldn't read it. That's just, I, I was obstreperous that way. That's funny. That's funny. I you had said that same that problem. When I was in like middle school and I was assigned to read Les Miserables and I thought that in I middle had, school. Yes. And I thought oh. I had been, I had been sent okay. to a life of death. <laughs> and as I started to read that book, I couldn't put it down. Okay. And that book made me a reader. Okay. That's that ambitious book. for middle school. I I mean 800 pages, not not the original French that my daughter has read. It's 1300 pages. Wow. But yeah, and I, but, I and also I mean in the absence of understanding the, you know, historical context, I think that's sort of like a challenge for a middle school kid. It okay. was. And I so I thought I had been sentenced to prison that I was going to die. <laughs> yeah. But, but it sparked reading, and it and from that point on, is a just reading became a big thing, and so yeah, it is for me too. I have to say, if I was ever a teacher, not that anybody would ever be stupid enough to let me into a classroom with a bunch of kids, but if I ever not were, with your language, sir, no. <laughs> I think kids would appreciate it though. I did, oh, I of, course they, be popular. of course they, they would. love it. Of course, they, well, the kids would love it. It's the parents who would hang me. Oh no, <laughs> no I'd get along. I'd get along fine with the kids. Yeah, I get along fine with the kids. Uh, but it would, for me, it would be like, okay, here's our class today. Here's a table full of books. I don't care what you read. I got books. I got John D. McDonald novels. I got Mad Magazine. I got more challenging books. I don't care what mm-hmm. you read. We're just mm-hmm. going to read for 40 minutes, okay? If you're not reading, I'm going to kick your ass. Start. That's all. And I'll be my only class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just read. I, I, I'm not yeah. going to test you. I'm not going to quiz you. If you don't like the book, throw it away. Start another book. Right. You know, if you if you need some reading help we'll identify that and we'll get a tutor in to help you just mechanically learn how to read better. But for content, it's like, you know, you learn to be a good reader by reading. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. You know, it's yep. the same way with music too. I'm a musician and one of the best lessons I ever got when, when I decided one day years ago in my younger days, I wanted to learn how to play the flute. There was a gentleman I knew that played the flute, but he was all improvisational. Mm-hmm. He knew the scale. He taught me the scales but mm-hmm. he taught me how to have fun playing that instrument. Oh, that's great. And the scales. And that helped me stick with it for years and years of enjoyment of playing that instrument. Same thing's true with the piano. The fundamentals are important, but teach a kid how to have fun and play their favorite song. Yeah. So that when they get bored and stuck, they can play their favorite song, loosen up, and then get back to, okay, that's why I want to learn the fundamentals, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And then that is the thing is like, you know, obviously there are certain core lessons you have to have that just teach you how to read. You know, you have to learn the yeah. alphabet. You have to be able, you know, different schools have thought about how you do that. But then so much of school beyond a certain age grade is about trying to excite people about yeah. reading. And that's where I think we begin to go wrong. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it it should be your class should be excitement class. Yes. Yeah. And I look yeah. back and I think of the classes I enjoyed the most, which I'm sure is why I ended up having a sidebar interest in history and sociology. And they were invariably the social studies teachers. Mm -hmm. I had I had extraordinary social study teachers all the way through school. I was mm -hmm. so blessed. I look back now and mm -hmm. I think, wow, they whatever it was, be it be it world history or philosophy or American history or various aspects of social studies. Right. Mm -hmm. I had great social studies teachers who made it Absolutely. so interesting. Yeah, I, I had a middle teacher, a middle school teacher at, at Milliken Junior High School, Mr. Cox. And every Friday, he would say, okay, subject, what's normal? And we would start talking about these things. And we would discuss, okay, uh, you're, you've got one book to take to you on a desert island. What do you want to take? What you know, things like that. Yours would be pizza stained books. They would all oh. be like, oh, this is safe. <laughs> and you know, there was just... always the one kid who would always say, Oh, Playboy, it's gotta be Playboy, you know. <laughs> but again, <laughs> is it the same? Is, is it the same issue of Playboy? The because there again, that woman is going to lose her sexual appeal eventually. <laughs> she would be the equivalent of blueberries eventually. <laughs> Absolutely. But again, it was it was engaging and, and social studies is just it's one of those things that you really have to teach or get kids involved with because they learn about society. They yeah. learn about the way things work and how they don't work and so on. And yeah. it, it's very engaging. Yeah. No, I, and I, I, you know, I, I, it's, I was so not academically inclined. I mean, I was smart. So I, I, I you know, I did well in the classes where the teacher engaged me. Mm -hmm. But I was rebellious by nature. Mm -hmm. I'm all, I've always been sort of rebellious by nature. So as soon as somebody kind of like, you know, had me in a class where I didn't respect the the not didn't not not a matter of not respecting, mm -hmm. where I just felt like you know this is this is classic pedagogy. You know, I'm I'm kind of being spoon fed. It's like you know I, I immediately adopted a fuck you attitude. I was nice about it. But it was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm not going to study that. I'm not gonna <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> yeah. I will connive. I will cheat. I will get out of your class with a B, but I'm not going to do the work. Teachers yeah. are some of the most underpaid professionals in America. Oh, God, yes. My, God. My, uncle, my uncle Jack would taught elementary school in New Jersey. And on his 90th birthday, the grandchildren of children he taught came to his party to see him. He wow. made such an impression upon Fantastic. them that wow. he made teaching really. He used to he used to tell kids on opening day he'd have one empty seat, and he would say, "Okay, kids, um, here what's two pi? You know, what two two times two, right?" And they'd all like be frightened, and he'd say, uh, "You in the back, uh, Vazgab. Yes, what's that answer? That's four. Very good, Vazgab." And he made education fun for these kids. <laughs> he made it. I'm not sure that story quite captures the uh, the wonderful aspects of this of this pedagogy, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you lost me at Vazgod. Is that the name of the child, or is that the the, 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 the it was an invisible character? He was invisible, invisible character. Oh, okay, we got that part. Class, his name was Vazgod <laughs> I see. I had the empty chair. And he would and he would do the empty chair, and that would get the kids starting to respond. I see. I didn't I didn't put that together yeah, quite was, the way you, you told that story. Yeah. Did other people follow the empty? 
Yeah. 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 Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Far this be it is just me. this is called improvisation. We're just kind of going here, you know. I, I know, but you know, improvisation has certain rules. <laughs> it Make does. It. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to say yes. Well, I don't. Know. You got to say yes. Right. You always. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to introduce an invisible character named Vasgod, make sure you do it very clearly. So. <laughs> People know what the fuck you're talking about. Is it a talking cat? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a giant talking cat. For you. A giant talking cat. Yeah. Uh, you know, so my, my research, my internet research, uh, John, on you brought up a couple other interesting things that I wanted to, to mention and, and see what you had to think of, you know, to say about them. Um, well, the first thing, I was really disappointed that I could not find, there was an episode of, on HGTV. Oh, my you and your wife did. What? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find it. It, it. it it looked like it had it had it existed on an in an online archive, but now I guess HGTV doesn't put their their old archive uh, anymore. And I was mm -hmm. I was this close. If I was actually an investigative journalist, I might have like contacted HGTV. Uh, but yep. like, that's a random thing to get involved. Totally in. random. So back <laughs> when I was on the board of the AIDS Service Center, we had mm -hmm. something called the Big Night Out. And the big night out was our annual fundraising event. And the way it worked is that we got people from all over the city to host these dinner parties. Some we would get everybody to come to a you know a big cocktail party collectively, and then they would fan out all over the city and go to these small dinner parties. Mm -hmm. But there was a realtor named Jason, I can't remember his last name, who said, and I was on the development committee, who said he would host one of these dinner parties if in return I would guest on my house is worth what. And the premise of my house is worth what is that a realtor would be paired with the host. They would come to somebody's house. They would walk around the house and they would basically say, you know what, he, he really should remodel the kitchen. This place is a dump. And then he would be forced. So uh, yes, I, I, I believe me that yeah, I'm so glad that's not available anymore. <laughs> is it still the house that you're in? Is it's still it, the house. It... Oh yeah. It's predicated basically on greed. The idea mm -hmm. is that, you know, the people who are, are the guests or, or the, you know, the people whose house is being, you know, trashed, mm -hmm. they want to hear that, you know, if you do this, if you do this, my house will be, oh, my house will be, Yeah. I don't give a good goddamn what my house is worth. I ain't selling my house. So did you so, do a, a polite, like, nah. I'm good. No, well, I, I see this is what they cut, of course, because this is a nature thing. So the hostess, and I didn't like the hostess because she was kind of Trump. She was a little bit of a mini Trumpista. <laughs> Oof. Okay. This, is, this was before Trump was president. She had been. But when he was a pre the apprentice. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't like her. I, I, I took an almost immediate dislike to her, in fact, and was like, mm. So, you know, to make this interesting, I said on camera, it's like, look, we don't really care what our house is worth, but it's nice to have a little competition. So I'll bet X and my wife will bet Y and whichever one of us wins, the other will be that person's sex slave for a week. <laughs> <laughs> HGTV. Much to my surprise. <laughs> but I could see her kind of processing that, like, as it was like, yeah, oh, very interesting. <laughs> And uh, indeed, when my wife won, she jumped into my arms as if, you know, we were on. And oh that my God. God. So, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so still scary. sad I couldn't find that because I think that would have been just. Fun. Yeah. Well, if you ever watch it, you could imagine what was cut. 
put it okay. that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I will keep that, keep that yeah, in mind. They, they, they kept us well off camera for much of it because it became mm-hmm. apparent early on that I was not the ideal uh, guest. Uh, for my <laughs> oh, my well, God. That's what I thought it was very random. It just didn't seem like. Totally I, I random. Having, uh, yeah. I was having totally a random. Uh, yeah. You know, that's we, be on YouTube. we put the live. No, I, ser- I, I searched. Oh, yeah. It's I hard searched. To find. Oh. Yeah, there's number. No the other thing I would try and it, try and find Shredder Orpheus somewhere. Shredder Orpheus. Shredder Orpheus was a movie I made back in Seattle um, by a, a guy who I knew, which is the Orpheus Orpheus and Eurydice story. Only Orpheus is a, a skateboard artist, and uh, Eurydice was like a punk rock singer, and um, it was bad. It was bad, and I was bad in it. Um, <laughs> that's Seven Hours to Judgment, Shredder Orpheus. Those are probably the two big stinkers. There are some mm-hmm. some other smaller stinkers in there too, but those are the ones I usually steer people towards in my checkered okay. career. Cool. That could be fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Your checkered career. <laughs> well, you know, we're fans of MST3K around here and Rift Track. So, you know, bad stuff is good. It's good. It's fun. Well, then you love my career. Good heavens. <laughs> it's practically dripping with with trash. No, no, no. You've got so much, uh, there's just so much good stuff. Um, but then the other thing that I came across, which is very interesting, you know, because again, I go to Google and I put your name no, in. The first I'm, thing that comes uh, up. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, well, the first thing that comes up is there's two John Billingsleys in Wikipedia. Have you ever been confused with the 18th century agriculturist, John Billingsley? <laughs> well, there are a number of John Billingsley out in the world if you do a deep dive. I, it, I did. I found some others. Yeah. Yeah. There are ministers. And most of them, I have to say, are infinitely more, you know, on, on the surface, at least. I get more credits than they do. But mm-hmm. there are people like Minister John Billingsley has helped blah, blah, blah. the you know, like <laughs> agricultural economist John Billingsley. It's like, oh, they're all so much smarter and more and more and more, you know, basically put together than I am. But I got all the publicity because I wore it. You were on TV and in yeah. TV. famous. That's right. Yep. yep. Well, you know, the 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 agriculturist was just the concept was very interesting because I wonder if there's like, you know, given that you're tied to the Hollywood Food Coalition, your interest in seeing people fed, and John Billingsley, the agriculturist, his whole thing was about, uh, you know, he advanced the state of agriculture and the technology uh-huh. you know in the 18th century in england and so it's like is there like a food thing running through the billingsley line like to get people fed mm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the billings billingsley line is pretty uh, I, uh barbara billingsley mm-hmm. uh do you know who barbara billingsley is no yes, I do not. we sure do oh uh-huh. i thought the older nope. gentleman might know who barbara mm-hmm. okay i don't yes uh, tell us who barbara yes. where's Yes, would be the wonderful show uh, Leave It to Beaver. Oh, yes. uh, okay. the mom? That yeah, was the mom. And, okay. And also famous yep. for a very small but yeah. randy cameo in Airplane. Uh, but most Airplane. She was the granny that's, that understood rap or, yeah. or Josh. Oh, John. okay. Yes. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But be, as Beaver Clear's mother, uh, you know, which is where, mm-hmm. where you, you, if you are a certain age, you know, that's where your I am. is in your ear, as 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 I am. Um, so uh, she was an amateur genealogist, and oh, wow. many many years ago, when I first moved here, I was a member of a theater company called The Noise Within, and she had caused to either see the show that I was in, or she heard about me through a board member. Anyway, she got my phone number and she called me, mm-hmm. and it's like, hello, it's like Mrs. Cleaver is on the phone, and it's freaking me out. For one thing, if you watch the show, you immediately become Eddie Haskell, and you 
Well, yes, um, Mrs. Cleaver, that is yes, a beautiful yes, dress. Mrs. Very, very unctuous. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. I'll kiss yeah. your ass, Mrs. Cleaver. Uh, but she talked to me for about two hours, and I learned all sorts of shit about the Billingsleys. And we're a scabrous bunch. A scabrous <laughs> bunch. I love that. What a term. Yes. Wastrels and drunkards and horse thieves and lowlifes and louts and... Basically, I wouldn't want to go to a Billingsley family reunion, um, which in all likelihood is going to be held in Armpit, Arkansas. So, um, yeah, I don't think you could look at my family line and say, oh, Billingsley is la-di-da. Oh, wait a minute. It would There's be like, delightful... goddamn Billingsley stole my car again. Uh, if you might recall, there was a charming young lad who played in a film called uh, Christmas Story. Peter. Yes. Yeah, he is got that out. In... He got out. I got out. I'm not saying there aren't some Billingsleys who are refugees from the Billingsley clan. I'm saying the bulk of them, you probably wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. Are you, are you like knowingly related to either of them? Uh, no, Mrs. Cleaver and I kind of went round and round and, you know, mm -hmm. the best we could figure is that probably some line of the Billingsleys we crossed, but we weren't, you know, mm -hmm. not, not, not. I tried to get, I tried to get a free dinner at a restaurant because she had two kids who, <laughs> Uh, Billingsley's two restaurants here in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. You may may know of them. One is on Pico. I think that's now changed hands. And the other one was in the valley attached to a golf club. So I went there one time and I heard that the boys, you know, who ran the place were around. And I, I sort of like accidentally dropped my driver's license. Like, whoops, I dropped my dro Billingsley driver's license. <laughs> Free hamburger, Billingsley. Totally didn't work. Totally didn't work. Boy, talk about your name dropping. Okay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> was this was this after Star Trek or during Star Trek? No, this was well before Star oh, Trek. Oh, so you couldn't just say when I also when I first says. moved here and I uh, again didn't have a pot to piss in. I was a stage actor who was trying to start in film and TV. I uh, I had to uh, I had to uh, you know scrape for several years. I was a mystery shopper. Oh my God! Uh, where you go in and you you know you you go to a sizzler and you eat the steak mm -hmm. and you see somebody scrawls in the bathroom wall and you fill out an evaluation and they send you ten bucks and you get to keep your leftovers. I did that for a while. I drove this old lady around for a while. Who uh, <laughs> I made a movie about her. Actually, I didn't make a movie, but a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> she was really Miss Daisy. Yeah, it's very similar. Very similar. Yes, okay. she was in her nineties. She was a British character actress. She had lived here for years. She was extremely bawdy. She was extremely um, uh, opinionated. And she spoke at a rather loud volume in public stores and said things you should not say in public. Oh my. It was like, you I'm know. I'm old. I can do this. I'm old. This That's is my slowest service I've ever seen. You should take these people out and you should chop their balls off in the public square for their. <laughs> Like, I, wait, not with her, just driving her, just driving her. Um, I aspire to be like that, not not in a mean way. I don't want to actually be mean to people, but yeah. I want to be very, 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 very old and just say what I want to say. Oh, she was a character. That's my goal, life goals. Okay, okay. And she, lived, and she lived because, you know, LA is an interesting city and, and mm -hmm. Hollywood is an interesting place. Mm -hmm. Hollywood has gotten perpetually more seedy down the years. Mm -hmm. So the very nice apartment she lived in, in 1950, became like, you know, mm -hmm. this rat trap in a drug den. 
but there she was in her like you know still like a parasol oh get out of the way i'm coming through like, all right lady you know i'm coming to my room now <laughs> it's like always weird to pick her up drop her off she had you know up to the ceiling old theater programs she was a dancer in paris in 1990 mm. i mean wow. amazing story <clears throat> And as she often said to me, she was 90, she said, if I was 30 years younger and you were 20 years older, we'd be fine on the sofa right now. <laughs> <laughs> I might have say in that. I don't. All right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I turned her over to a friend of mine when I get, began to work regularly, and then he, he was her chauffeur until she passed away. And he made a movie about that experience, which was very Oh, wow. Oh, wow. wow. Interesting. Oh, look for that one. This what, one. This is that movie. You'll never find this. Breathing hard. Breathing hard. Okay. You'll never find it. God, I got all these little lists. I have so much homework. I have homework. Oh, <laughs> I'm good at that. Can I ask you one quick question about Star Trek? Of course. What's your favorite role as Dr. Flox? Which particular episode? Episode? Do you, you look back and say, that yeah. was fun. That yeah. was one I really uh, liked. A night in sickbay. Ah! Which, which, which was kind of a love-hate episode for the fans. Because mm-hmm. Archer is have, so annoying. I'd have a comp. No, yeah, he's that. not. He loves his beagle. He's yeah. worried but about he's his wit- puppy But Trip, dog. come on. Shut up. He's going to yeah. apologize. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, it was a love-hate episode because it definitely, you know, I think one of the tensions in the show was the extent to which people did or did not um, like Archer as the captain. And, you know, mm-hmm. whatever differences of opinion amongst the fans were that was a real divisive episode mm-hmm. for exactly what what you're saying chris for some fans he came off in that episode as kind of a noodle and i i don't you know i, I think for other fans it was like he loved his dog and he was yeah. an embarrassing situation by this alien species and he had his pride and yada 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 and for me it was the only episode in which you really kind of began to get a lot about the Denovian mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that, even though one, it was a light comedy episode in, in, in many respects, and it was fun. And I loved working with Scott, but mm-hmm. two, it's where you learned about his polyamorousness. It's where you got more of a sense of, of, of his family background. Yeah. Um, I liked Dear Doctor. I didn't particularly care for the way that story ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can we? Yeah, I like. I just I... showed Dear Doctor to my my kid right before we got on today because he was like, "So who are you talking to tonight?" And I was like, "Well, because he hasn't seen Enterprise. He's just yeah. getting into Star Trek now because yeah. through Lower Decks and through Prodigy and through Strange New Worlds. So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, here, let let me show you this episode." And I chose Dear Doctor as the one to to show mm-hmm. him. It's like well, oh, okay, I, I I see what it yeah. Is. I mean, that's you know the the I I it, what's interesting about that episode is it certainly is a you know every, every time I am on a panel and I'm asked mm-hmm. in any manner or form to talk about or to identify an episode that kind of brings up a lot of you know mm-hmm. engenders a lot of debate. Mm-hmm. I bring up that one, you know. I mean, if you remember that episode, the doctor basically says, "Here is this species on the planet with two species." And he essentially says, I'm going to let the, quote, superior species die off because they are suppressing this so-called inferior species ability to evolve. He could have saved the superior species. He had the medical capacity and he chose not to. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of people would consider that something of a a perversely genocidal act. 
mm-hmm. and not necessarily accept his argument at face value, which is he's simply letting evolution take its course. Yeah. Uh, and Be- and I, yeah. before before you came on, we were talking, and my preferred favorite episode of you is Doctor's Orders. Which one was that? That's the that's the one. Is that the one you. I was naked in? Yes. But but and with well, that's your favorite. Of course, that's your episode. favorite. Yeah, it was, it was the episode isn't that everybody's favorite? It's it's kind of like the sixth sense. Yeah, where you you fantasize that T'Pol is helping you, but she doesn't can't do anything because she doesn't exist. But we had a beagle, and she passed away in 1997. Oh, I'm sorry. And when that episode sorry, came on, sorry. I, I thought so. And when that episode came on and you could hear Porthos's nails walking on the deck, it reminded me of our dog. It was just like. So really, it was right your back. favorite Beagle episode. Well, it's, well <laughs> Porthos does have a just to be Just to be clear here. He, he's your sidekick in that. In the, in this, is right al- this is right up there with you calling me bald earlier. I, uh, <laughs> good heavens to Betsy. Yeah, but the fact that you it was your episode. It literally was your tour de force and yes. you got to have a lot of fun in that. And that's why I, I like that episode because it's all centered on your character trying to overcome a situation on his own and he does it. And I just, it's just fun. It's yeah. Really- I liked, I liked all the episodes I was in. It was the ones I wasn't in that I didn't like. <laughs> well, of course. Didn't so it's no, like- those are the ones you were able to go and do something else. You were able to <laughs> that's act true. another role. That's so true. Those really By the time they got to the third season, in a way, I kind of thought maybe they were integrating the cast a little bit more. So it became harder to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it was pretty much the first year into the second year that I was able to double dip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked, you know, there were there were episodes I thought, um, like if I was asked to pick an episode that I thought, you know, succeeded on Star Trek's own terms, I would say an episode like Similitude. Oh yes, yeah. Because... You had you had the best line at the end of that with with Connor, where you say, "You were a hell of a father." You were. You know, he says, "You were a hell of a father," and you said, "You were a hell of a son." Yeah, and that and... bonding moment was just so beautiful because as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was a lovely, I thought Connor was absolutely lovely in that. And, you know, it, it, to the extent that people, and I, you know, I, I'm agnostic about this, but I know there were, again, people loved or hated the idea that Tripp and T'Pol had a relationship. Mm-hmm. But to the extent they had a relationship, mm-hmm. that was the episode in which that relationship really kind of became, yeah. you know, moved forward. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very nice the way they did that by giving, you know, by, by giving the pitching of the woo to a mm-hmm. to a cloned trip yes very interesting yeah mm-hmm. and well that that was the first episode written by manny and it yeah. just showed yeah manny, remarkable manny remarkable. was remarkable manny was great manny brought a whole sensibility to the show and and you know without in any way you know knocking any of the writers i do think mm-hmm. manny um manny definitely kind of lifted our game he, yeah. that he he was the tour de force of, of season four he really and he he was so in the season four you took so many samples of prior series and brought yeah. it forward and, and that was and that was manny manny actually yeah. loved the original series and and you know i don't think i'm saying anything negative about rick and brandon i think they have more or less said this they they were not necessarily you know people who who started doing star trek out of a deep affection for star trek it was the gig that they fell mm-hmm. into 
Mm-hmm. Manny kind of loved the original series and to a certain extent thought, okay, let this fourth season be something of a Valentine to the original yeah. series. Much like Strange New World, from what I'm told, sort of is doing now. Yeah. Yes. Are, are you watching it? Are you watching no. any of the new Trek? No, no. I started Discovery um, and and I, I liked some of the performances. I'm, mm-hmm. I find Klingons boring. I just, I just think it's like, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh. mm-hmm. too much you. Klingon. Too much Klingon. Um, sorry, Klingons. Uh, the worst thing would be to get cast in a Klingon crime procedural. That would be right. oh, crime procedural. And, like the medical examiner on a Klingon fun. crime drama. Be and, awful. And in season it's... four, you spent time solving the great Klingon question. Oh, I did. I'm so I did. It is ironic. And I will say, I also, which was also a highlight for me, is I got to work with the great John Shuck. Mm, he was yeah, wonderful. He great is in so good. Episode. But John yeah. Shuck, if you go back to old. Um, uh, Robert Altman movies. He was the original painless pole in Mash. Hmm. Yes, in the, he was in he the was movie also, Mash. Didn't he do a TV you know, show the called dentist. Holmes and Yo-Yo? Beg your pardon. Didn't he do a TV show called Holmes and Yo-Yo? He did, he, and he was yes. in the villain and wife. Yeah, he was and great. He was he was in a number of uh, of uh, of great Robert Altman movies. But for those yeah. of you for whom Mash is kind of a, as it was for me, mm-hmm. kind of a seminal movie. Uh, painless pole was mm-hmm. the dentist who no longer can get it up and they hold a whole mock funeral for him yes yes <laughs> uh, you know it's a great scene yeah yeah that's where the song suicide is painless mm-hmm. came from that mm-hmm. was the song they sang at painless pole's funeral that was my first r-rated film that a friend's parent took us to sure. see <laughs> Ellie Kellerman. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah, Hot Lips, the original Hot Lips. Oh, Robert, Robert Duvall was, mm-hmm. uh, you oh, know, Robert Duvall. Yeah, uh, yeah. was uh, Frank Burns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, it's funny because for me, it's like you know, I don't, I don't get verklempt very easily. But there are people who I grew up with, like Dick Van Dyke. I oh did, my I, gosh, I did Diagnosis Murder, and you know, <sighs> there's Dick Van Dyke entering the soundstage doing the Dick Van Dyke thing, you know, where he's like mm-hmm. tap dancing and you know, like it's like. Oh. That that is that that is number the Dick Van Dyke show is number one on my list of all time greatest sitcoms. I I watched that today. Of course, I watched the reruns as a kid. Yeah, I think yeah. that I still laugh hysterically at that. He was he was brilliant and yeah. and, and such a great physical comedian. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I can't say he's underrated because I mean, obviously, you know. But at at I think at the time I don't think people realized quite how brilliant he was. Yeah, he was. Maybe that's and, not fair. But but I mean it's like extraordinary what he could do. Mm-hmm. And, and every episode, every episode yeah. of Dick Van Dyke show had some like extraordinary bit of physical comedy because he was mm-hmm. such a great physical comedian. He mm-hmm. could not, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and it was remarkable. In in what you don't see it in in I mean mm-hmm. Friends, oddly mm-hmm. enough. Is yeah, a show number one fan. I've been waiting oh, for oh, this. Oh, 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 oh. What's that? It's Friends, Friends trivia. trivia quiz. Um, <laughs> well, my, well, my wife would be competitive. <gasps> I would. Not. So I, I bought this I, on last... the big bi- sci-fi podcast, the Friends trivia. But da- I was going to say, between... David David Schwimmer to me. Yes, he's a great physical comedian. Oh, physical. Oh my gosh! When he had to put those leather pants on, do you remember that? <laughs> I was like, oh, he's so good. I'm when terrified he's... of that happening to me because of that show. <laughs> like, I'm serious. 
every everything he does when he's uh accidentally getting hit by joey when he's getting like a the pocky puck in the face when yeah. he's up against bruce willis and he like slinks down under yeah. the bed yeah yes, he's amazing he's amazing yeah. and everybody in that show is very good and i i yes. like it all but i but for, for physical comedy for that particular kind of you know craft that dick van dyke yeah uh, he, he to me was the only person i can think of in the last i don't know how many years who, who had that yeah that kind yeah of and See, that's outside why... of outside of trek i am a huge uh friends fan but i, I am a huge sick i do love sitcoms i love mm, the big bang theory i love the office i love seinfeld i love all these kinds of sitcoms because i love comedy and i like to laugh uh, i like and, to have fun. and kramer you would have to say is also mm-hmm. oh, yep. oh my yes. god yeah yes. he's up there for sure yep and i did watch cheers when i was young you know cheers yep. was big when i was young um and then yes, into into Kramer, uh, and yeah, right now I'm I'm feeling like there's like a drought of of sitcoms at the moment. Yeah, I'm very selective when it comes to television watching. I mean, I I, I watch stuff. Usually, I'll kind of like like we just finished Better Call Saul. We're watching. Oh, did um, you see? Have you watched season six yet? Yeah, we're, then we, keep your mouth shut. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm into season five right now, and yeah. it's unbelievable. That yeah. guy is so good. Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk, yeah. Oh my God, he's so yeah. Good. No, it's uh, actually it's uh, if there's a the uh, gal who plays his uh, his wife, the uh, the female lawyer. I mean, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm so uh, happy. I can't Cedric. remember her name. Cedric, I think it's her last name. Re- uh, Renee Cedric. Renee. Uh, 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 my tongue. I can't remember. Um, somebody look it up while we're talking. Um, woman on Better Call Saul, up for Emmy fabulous yeah. actress yeah it's... Uh, let's see okay she's so good and she does it and what she does is so subtle yeah it's it's uh her name is that that's uh blah, 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 blah. yeah ria <laughs> seahorn yeah ria seahorn okay in case, Rhea, is... in case you're listening ria seahorn know that i took the time to get your fucking name right <laughs> Everybody else was willing to call you Rhoda Seabrick and just move on. Said, no, no, that's not her name. She's not Rhoda. Rhoda's have to go to IMDb. Okay, come on. That show has a great cast. It's got a great oh. cast, and she's terrific. She's she came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody knew who she was, and and I, I read a little bit about her. And she's you know labored in the vineyards to get a career going, and she does such a good job playing somebody who is torn between two absolutely contradictory impulses. Hmm. She is a do-gooder and a criminal at heart, hmm. and it's she does a great job, and they really pay her story off at the end. Yeah. Oh, uh, good. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I adding that to the list too. To, it is. It is. I need to start Breaking Bad, but I feel like I missed the boat on that. Yeah, you got to watch Breaking Bad. You got to watch Breaking Bad. but you can first, watch. Definitely. No, but you can watch Saul first because that's a prequel. No, 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 no. But I hear you will enjoy it yeah. more. You got to watch. watch you got to watch Breaking Bad or uh, Breaking Bad first. You got to watch. Yeah. Breaking. Just, just I never like watched gotta... Breaking Bad. Now I'm going to watch it that. Oh, you got to watch Breaking Bad. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. There's watch so the much original content. Star Wars There's, films before you watch the prequels. So much. <laughs> and it helps if right. you watch original right, Trek before Enterprise, so you get all the Enterprise nuts. There, there is so much content; it's just nuts. I never, get, I never have this conversation because I'm the last person to say, "Oh, you've got to watch," because it's like I've watched shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I go back and I watch Enterprise all the time, so it's like I gotta gotta move beyond that. Oh, You're okay. always talking about that. Oh, I, sh- right. I have this yeah. to watch, but I had to come back to Enterprise. All right, well, it's all Enterprise right. or DS9. I wish I got paid every time you watch an episode. I, was gonna say, I mean, you, you should get a dime, I mean, at least a dime for every time. Come on, if, if I could tell people, oh, you know what? I'm helping. I'm 
I'm helping John out. That's why I'm watching the show. I'm not hey, watching. You, know what you could, do. You could put a five dollar bill in a jar every time you watch an episode <laughs> of Enterprise, and then you could send the money to the Hollywood Food Coalition. There you go. I was I'll tell you this, John. There you go. I know you're not going to do that, but you could theoretically do yeah. that. That's an interesting <laughs> that challenge. That is an interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah. John, I want to say this, John, is that when before Enterprise appeared, I had watched Trek since September the eighth, nineteen sixty-six. And by the end of Voyager, I was burnt out. And then I watched Enterprise and it rekindled my love of Star Trek. Oh, well, that's that's nice how good hear. the show was. I mean, it's I'll really be honest good. with you. I think I think the world had the opposite reaction. I think I know world, I was pissed. I had to, I had a lot of arguments with a lot of yeah. people about, oh, the song is so stupid. Oh, I always love the song. With Trek. Yeah. It, it's it encapsulates what Trek says. Uh, Trek is about. Mm-hmm. It's a well, I think song, I think but... for a lot of folks, they needed a break. They just needed a year yeah. off. And, you know, having it come on. I don't know that it's it, it, it was so much about, you know, we could have done this. We should have done that. I mean, I can pick that show apart in certain respects. Probably I'm more hard on it than, than fans are. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest issue was simply that there wasn't a year's break. Yeah. And Rick and Brandon asked for a year's break and Paramount said no. Go, go, go. Yeah. And early, early on, this is a story I tell, which just makes me laugh because I just I think it's revelatory. I don't know that Brandon, if he ever heard it, would actually agree. He thinks this is apocryphal, doubtless. But I was at the crafty, you know, the crafty service table where the food is put mm-hmm. out. Well, one, like episode two, we had Petty Four. Episode three, no Petty Four. I thought we're fucked. <laughs> Taken <laughs> Petty Four away. Clearly, the axe is coming down already. Mm-hmm. But I was also at the crafty table one day, and Brandon came over and just like, blah, 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 blah. If you ever have any ideas and you want to pitch them, it's like, it's episode three of season one, and you're the creator of the show, and you're asking me <laughs> if I have any ideas. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. Uh-huh. Well, the world changed too, though, right? I mean, that was right mm-hmm. around 9-11. The world changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. And, and, I, and, and I was not. I mean, it took a couple of years for our show to respond, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. wild about the response. Aspects of season three mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. It worked, I think, to kind of give a ticking clock to the season. Yeah, I did kind of feel, even though in the end it was revealed that the Zindi were actually being manipulated by so-called superior Mm -hmm. beings. Mm -hmm. But if you just watch the first, you know, umpteen episodes, a bunch of creepy bugs blew us up for no good reason. And we got to go get them. Right. It's like, you know, you look at the history of the world post 9-11 and it was that kind of thinking that got us into Iraq and that got Mm -hmm. us into Afghanistan. Exactly right. Thousands of people all over the world. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the part of Manny who I adore. Mm -hmm. Manny more to the right than I am. That's the part of Manny and that's the part of Star Trek that I kind of felt like, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Because I I heard about the, um, if I think this is true, where you really objected to the scene where they have to destroy the outpost with the, the, the Zindi listing post. And those Zindi are innocent, but they have to destroy them so they don't set uh, the alarm. I, I did not. I mean, I never, you know, it's like oh. it, it, my, I have, I mean, I have my opinions, but mm. no, they don't hire me to have my opinions. You know. Mm. Oh, okay. Because I heard that you objected to that scene quite heavily. But I don't remember where I read that. Uh, was but, it the objection to the scene or the commentary on like the you know where oh, the real it might life? Be that. Yeah, right. it might be that. I mean, I did. I, de- I definitely did some. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not now after the fact 
shy about saying, here are my issues, here are my reservations. Mm -hmm. yeah. At the time, you know, I, I did have my reservations and I wasn't shy about talking about it to other cast members, but I was not going to go knock on the door and say, hey, Dr. Flox thinks you should rewrite this episode. It's like, I'm going to fucking happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, right. I thought, you know, there were a number of episodes that basically kind of took the 24 trope, which is there's a ticking time bomb and that ticking yeah. time bomb gives us the right to torture somebody. Right. It right. gives us the right. That was an argument, a popular argument. Dick Cheney popularized it, you know, yep. basically saying it's okay to water. waterboarding is okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was fundamentally rooted in the idea that, you know, the circumstances demand we put morality to the side. And I thought that was antithetical to what Star Trek is supposed to be yeah. about. Yeah. Do you feel like it was do you feel like it was addressed a little bit or at least softened by the fact that Archer, after he did those things, was really torn up about it? Not really. Okay. You know, not sufficiently so, you know, but I, I, I view that in the context of the era we were in. I was mm -hmm. strongly anti-war. Right. I was strongly post 9-11 opposed to what was immediately clear would be the drift of our foreign policy. Mm -hmm. Barbara Lee was the only person in the U.S. Congress who said, no, you don't get a fucking blank check. Only one. Mm -hmm. So we were in a blank check world. And to me, that show was basically saying, yes, blank check. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think and I, I didn't think it was right for the very reasons that it proved to be not right. Right. Mm -hmm. You do not get to say they killed my mother. So I have a right to kill their mother and their father. That is eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm. You got and I think it. that Star Trek is not supposed to be about that. Right. Uh, and they got away from that in the final se season and. No. yeah yeah i mean it was and and you know you could even argue as has been argued with me because i'm not shy about talking about this stuff um it, it could be argued that when it was revealed that the zindi themselves were being manipulated mm -hmm. and that might have some you know deeper implications in terms of how we view some of the people who were nominally you know terrorists and mm -hmm. how they themselves might be captured by um, aspects of an ideology that have defrauded or debased mm -hmm. or deceived mm -hmm. them. But I, I don't think even if you accept that, it, it necessarily allows you to forgive the, the great bulk of the season where, mm. frankly, it's a bunch of, of horrible bugs who shot us up mm -hmm. and kicked their ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm one of those fans who did not watch it in the original run. I started out, but it was more because it had nothing to do with the show itself, but my life at the time with my, my first husband yeah. and my career. So just watching TV and watching Star Trek, even though I, you know, I love Star Trek. And I had the same thing with, with Voyager and DS9 because it was the end of my college years and starting my career. And it just life took me uh you know away from track away from tv and stuff and it wasn't until several years later that i caught up on ds9 voyager yeah. and enterprise and kind of like kind of shocked at myself because i had spent my entire teenage years watching next generation like i watched every episode the night it came out and if for some reason i was missing it i was watching it later that night on vhs <laughs> you know but um but it was so it was interesting to then have the hindsight of of watching it like as a more mature adult, like mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I look back and I'm like, huh, what would I have, you know, if I had watched this because I was hurting a lot after 9-11 um, and my career is affected by, I work in aerospace and there is ties. Um, I am 
basically supported by, uh, you know, what our government does in, in a lot of ways. And so there are a lot of ties, you know, between my work and the after effects. So I'm like, watching it now and kind of thinking, you know, what was going on in the world at the time, it, it really is a, a different spin is uh, the best way yeah. I can put it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, it, what's hard, it, well, the other thing that was very hard for me, it just culturally is that, you know, the history of America's relationship and the West's relationship with the Middle East mm -hmm. is, is tortured. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 to me, it is extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult now to have a nuanced conversation about the nature of the animus and why that animus exists. If you go back to the First World War and you consider the end of the Ottoman Empire that basically mm -hmm. Britain, France, with American support, went in and said, we're going to create Iraq, we're going to create Syria, we're going to create these states, we're going to basically use you to get our petro out, mm -hmm. and we're going we're gonna to fabricate so-called ruling houses so that we'll have somebody who will keep the population in check. And over mm -hmm. the arc of 100 years, hundreds of thousands and millions probably of people died and we have a moral responsibility to at least know that's part of the story yeah. and that's very quickly like don't even talk about that to do that is to not honor the people who died on 9-11 which i think is you know right. where america goes yeah. wrong yeah, yeah. And, and where the world goes wrong it's like maximum historical knowledge mm -hmm. is is allowing allows us to be human you don't have historical knowledge. You just act on, you know, the the day's upset and, and it becomes about your visceral pissed offness. You got to have context. Oh, yeah. You learn Absolutely. from learn from our mistakes, hopefully. Or, or we yeah. learn. Well, that's always the hope. And, yeah. and yeah. we don't do that again. We do better, which is one thing we all love about Star Trek, right? Those, those who forget forget history are condemned to repeat it. But, Absolutely. So, but the problem with, with learning history, because as someone who came to history like a little bit, you know, later, you know, it's, I feel like we have two problems is one, you know, how we teach it. But mm -hmm. at the, the other, other end is that when I was a kid, I was not ready to receive the information, no matter how well it was taught. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I, I was just not mature enough. And I don't think kids are mature enough to- No, they're really, not. I think that gets yeah. back to sort of, I guess what I meant before is like, I think the most important thing you can do is put kids in a bunch, in a room with a bunch of, a bunch of books and get them to read and yeah. fall in love with reading. And I think that's mm -hmm. true yeah. for all things. It's like, you know, kids, kids who fall in love with the, the, the stories, fall in love with history, fall in love with what it is to learn about these amazing mm -hmm. things happen will become kids who are interested in continuing to learn yes. about history and yeah. governance and yada 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 how do you inculcate that you know mm -hmm. I, it's a challenge yeah but we we unfortunately let's face it live in a world in which the there are a lot of folks who feel like the best thing you can do to keep money in your pocket is to keep an, a population dumb and poor mm -hmm. and you know dumb and poor means you know you can pay a minimum wage and that means more money for me Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think it's a crime what we have done in this country in terms of starving people of decent educations, 40 kids in a class, blah, 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 blah. blah. Right. It's like, right. Yeah. Yep. Don, you're a yep. very moral person. That's what we, we could see that in your character. We could see that in the way you act and we see it in your words and deeds. You are mm -hmm. a very moral character and I am very proud to have had a chance to listen to you talk.
Oh, well, thank you. I realized I, I started on a, on an antic note and I ended on a deeply serious note. And sometimes That's I okay. reverse that, but um, okay. I well, heard my, my wife just got home. Which okay. It's martini and Dodger time. Well, and let's oh, play, nice. I want, I want to play for, I want to play friends trivia. <laughs> Uh, ask me yep. one question. I'll see if I know the okay. answer. Okay, uh, let me just pick All out right. one random. Okay, let's see. Raw. Oh, God, this is easy. Ross first met which girlfriend at Chandler and Monica's wedding? You get one fan point if you get this right. Ross first met which girlfriend? Uh huh. At Chandler and Monica's wedding. So it wasn't Rachel. And let's see. Was it? Oh. Oh golly! <laughs> oh golly! What was, her, what was her name? Was it the was it the African American woman? Mm -mm. No, who? I get I, I Mona. Oh, oh she, Mona! She, she's the one that then Ross. One, right? Yeah, well, yeah, she had short oh. hair. She was the yeah. one that Ross was dating when, like, they found out that Rachel was pregnant, right? And stuff, right. and so they had you know okay. kind of kept having issues okay. there. Okay. But I bought this last fall because uh, me and, and two friends who uh, we we went by train up to Manhattan to go to the Friends Experience, uh -huh. where they basically have a recreation of all the different sets, and you kind of go and you sit oh, and you take pictures uh -huh. and everything. It's just it was so much fun. So we played this on the train. Bonnie I, would totally have known that. Totally I won. Well, because I need to play. I need to play with somebody. But. Yeah, I, I can try and play with you. I love I'm, this. I'm very rusty on my friend's trivia. Well, why don't Why don't we plan to have John back again? Because why don't we plan to I have, have other John trivia back games again? Too. And you can play. You, you could have this. You could have Bonnie. Okay. I'm going to lose any trivia game. I might. I might <laughs> <be very> well, <laughs> uh, history trivia. But television trivia, I'm going to get my ass kicked out every time. <laughs> I've got Trivial Pursuit. I've got Geek Battle Trivia. I've got Big Bang Theory. But here comes Bonnie. Hey, Bonnie, trivia. come here a second. Oh, do you want to? Ask We're going to have question. a special yes, guest yes. appearance by Bonita Friderisi, my wife, who's going to sit down and play a couple of rounds yes. of Friends Trivia. Bonnie, this is the <laughs> podcast I'm on. These are all lovely oh. people. We've been talking for six hours, I believe. <laughs> we have set a record for the interview, right? I've now. set a record for the longest yeah, podcast yeah. in the history of podcasts. Yep. Adina <laughs> is a giant Friends fan, and she uh, she asked me a, uh, a, a probably a, a really simple Friends trivia question, and I I thought it was simple. <laughs> okay, Adina, take your best shot. The okay, best... same question or a different question? Different question. Different question. Okay. What did Monica's parents spend her wedding fund on? Um, hold on. I have to remember the essence. <laughs> Your mother and I, I'm, I'm remembering the actual lines. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. No, no, I mean, it's not, I'm not remembering it, but I'm trying to remember what they were saying to her when ah. he said, we spent your money. What did they spend it on? Hold oh on, let me, let me think. They were going on a trip. Close. They spent it on the beach house. It's the beach house. The beach house. Yes, that, that crossed my mind, okay. so I thought it was a beach house. Okay. okay, all right, one more question. Okay, one more question. I talked uh, you up, Bonnie. You got to get one right before okay. you <laughs> After Monica gets stung by a jellyfish, who pees oh, on her to help her remove the pain? <laughs> Even I knew her? that one. Joey pees on her. No, 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 no. Remember, Joey stepped up, but then he, he got shy. Oh, he did get shy. Yes. Chandler, got, Chandler P. Chandler P. Because remember, no matter what, like, no matter if he was like the last guy on earth, he was always going to be the guy that peed on her. That's right. Okay, one more. Well, so I've been terrible at this. So far, you're over two. I can't believe this. <laughs> so I, I go to, like, every night when I fall asleep, I'm either falling asleep 
to Star Trek or Friends. One of those two things actually like puts me to sleep every night. Do we blur in your mind? Do I ever sometimes sound like Rachel or does Rachel ever sometimes end up with a rubber head in your dream? No, (laughs) that would be awesome. That would be like the best thing ever. It's like the fly where you like take a Star Trek character and put them in one booth and you take a Friends character and put them in another booth and it comes out with like the giant penis Uh of Doc Locks, but the head of David Schwimmer. Bonnie used so to can come we with me. That, that, that the large. Bonnie used to. Oh yes, he has three. Bonnie used to come with me on the conventions, and she'd slide right into this shit. But look, she, she's got the practice. Right. She's <laughs> okay. Totally unimpressed. No, I no no. I just. I'm sorry. I've just actually had a very long day. Um. Uh. I'm also many years into hearing John talking about Doctor Fox and his big penis. <laughs> You know. so this is a common thing. I love it. One for each. Awesome. Yeah, except for you also thought you had husbands and stuff like that too. Which was <laughs> I have they each have three husbands. No, the, the trivia I like to mm-hmm. share is that the woman who played one of his wives <clears throat> on Star Trek actually played my daughter in a uh an independent film. Wait, is this oh, the wait. the wife that was like hitting on trip? Mm-hmm. And Flox was like, "Hey, yeah. Trip, yeah, why don't you, why don't you have take do the do the rose petal bath or something?" Yeah. Yes, Melinda Page Hamilton, who is a lovely, lovely actress, and she and I did a, a an independent film called Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs Lie. No, Sleeping Dogs Lie. I and can remember. Check anything. that out. That's a great movie made by Bobcat Gold. Got the longest homework list ever and after this podcast episode. Got to read all of Vladimir Nabokov. And when you're done with that, then you can watch Sleeping Dogs Live. Bonnie's great in it. Melinda Page Hamilton is great but in I it. But I play Melinda Page Hamilton's mother. So the, the young lady who plays my daughter is a fit age to play my husband's wife. <laughs> Hollywood, welcome to Hollywood. Right, um, okay. I, used, I used to sit up and watch Friends reruns every night with our 23-year-old cat when I was taking, when we were kind of through the last years, which is... So I, I'm I got I got a little rusty there. Yeah. It's kind of sad because the cat just wanted to watch Perry Mason, but Bonnie just kind of you know, nah, fuck <laughs> cat. We're watching Friends. I think you know Friends resonated with me just because since I'm from Long Island, you know those are the those are the people I grew up with. I mean, and the the on the show they were just a couple years older than I I am, so it just they were. I, I want another trivia question. I want Bonnie okay. to get one right before we sign off. We're gonna be okay. here for hours. Okay, well then there where is the one I'm doing this podcast for hours? Forever. <laughs> well, yeah, we started at, I think we started at seven. So we yeah, <laughs> two and a half hours. Okay. Which two characters almost got married in Las Vegas? Not got married in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, that was almost. Chandler and Monica. Yes. Chandler and Monica. All right. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, that's the one where, like, everywhere they went, there was a sign that they should get married. Yes. Yep. Yep. They were looking for the signs. And then when we get to the chapel, Ross and Rachel are coming out. Okay. Ask the question you started with with me. Let's see if Bonnie gets this one. Okay. Which one was that? Half. Oh, was uh Ross's, Ross's uh, oh, girl girlfriend. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> Ross first met which girlfriend at Chandler and Monica's wedding? Oh, that was the one. I put Mona. Yep. Very yep. good. Yay. Perfect. Very good. Okay. That's where the rather large little girl was the one that stepped, the on, last his one feet. stepped on his feet to dance. Yes. With yeah. Yep. yep. Congratulations, Johnny. What do we have for the winning guest on the show? Fabulous. Today? Um, he has to watch the Dodgers 
Wait yes, that's right. Things. You're going to go watch the Dodgers. Going to have a martini. Um, he didn't have. Now I know why he didn't respond to my text saying, "What would you like me to make for dinner tonight?" No, sitting right here. Oh, yeah. look at all these. Not little- not blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> Emily can't. Not blueberries. No blueberries. No. Oh well, holy oh, shit! Look at all these. Well, you know, I thought I had it on ring. Is well, why. and you didn't. All right. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, John. We yes, really appreciate thank it. You. Thank yeah, you. Bonnie, it's a pleasure meeting you too. Thank, thank you, yes, thank you so much. Making him feel important and busy. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. And not neglected by his wife. <laughs> well, no, this has been this has been wonderful. This we, has we've been... had many yeah. discussions. We are the tangent podcast show. Oh, we are. John is the perfect perfect tangent there ever existed. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I'm Adina Mignona, and I'd like to thank John so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And to our listeners, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts about John Billingsley, this interview, or anything else in your favorite science fiction. Join us at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group to share your thoughts and comment on this episode, or send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. I would like to thank all of our faithful listeners and members of our Facebook group for being such awesome supporters of the show. You're the reason we keep getting together via Zoom to record these episodes weekly. Until next week, stay well. We look forward to going with you where few podcasters have gone before. 